there, welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm James Paniki, MLEX's Australasian Managing Editor, coming to you from our offices in Melbourne, Australia. It's great to be with you. Now, it feels like yesterday that cannabis producers were on the receiving end of police raids. Well, today, a major cannabis industry deal is going to require clearance from the US Department of Justice. Surely, the ultimate sign of respectability. Curaleaf aims to create the US's biggest cannabis company through an 875 million US dollar merger with Grassroots. And regulatory clearance won't necessarily be a walk in the park, with the DOJ this year issuing second requests for information on nearly every cannabis merger. MLEX senior correspondent Jason Booth has been following this story and he joins me now from our offices in New York, New York. Hello, Jason. Uh, Hello, James. Jason, reading your recent analysis of the cannabis industry, I was struck by the fact that this merger is by no means the first to be vetted by the DOJ. How many cannabis deals are being held up by antitrust concerns at the moment? Well, we've identified seven currently, and there may well be more. But uh, pretty much every major deal uh, since the start of this year has been held up uh, in one way or the other uh, with with second requests for information. And uh, in most of the, the larger deals and even some of the smaller deals. And is there any sense as to why that might be? I mean, clearly there's a flurry of M&A activity in this particular industry, but why uh, would the DOJ be holding up these mergers with second requests for information? Well, that's a good question. Um, and it's not entirely clear at this point, uh, partly because the DOJ has not actually um, opposed any of these deals yet. Uh, they haven't uh, filed any litigation to block them. So until that happens, we don't know exactly what problems they might have with them. Um, the consensus from people in the industry and people watching the industry is um, that the DOJ and the regulators uh, truly don't understand this industry. It's a brand new industry uh, with its roots. Um, you know, in its roots, it was not a legal industry, uh, but it's grown very quickly and it's become very large uh, in a relatively short period of time. So uh, the the consensus has been that the DOJ is, is taking an extra long look at some of these deals so it understands the market and um, so it knows how to regulate it better and, uh, and, and can weed out any of the potential uh, uh, antitrust issues that there might be. And just as a reminder for those unfamiliar with the U.S. merger review process, there can be up to five steps in that process. So a second request for information doesn't necessarily spell trouble, but it does suggest that the uh, the DOJ or the FTC uh, are not ready to just wave these deals through. Is that a is that a fair uh, summary of the situation? That is correct. Yeah. Um, typically, only estimate about five percent of deals uh, that. Uh, get presented to regulators uh, and above the certain thresholds for being reported to regulators do receive second requests. So the fact that uh, you've almost seen a blanket issuing of these requests to these cannabis deals is fairly unusual and um, has raised quite a few questions and a a fair amount of consternation. Mm. Uh, Well, are there any real structural problems here? I mean, are there antitrust problems that are specific to the cannabis industry from what you've been able to ascertain? Well, yes. Uh, One of the issues in this industry is it's highly licensed. Um, Every state issues uh, licenses to companies in the industry on things related to 
uh, who can grow cannabis uh, and where they can grow it, who can um, uh, process it and make products out of it, the transportation of it, uh, and the retailing of it. Um, you know, this is a vertical industry in primarily where you have some of the bigger players going all the way from um, the, fa the farm, from the seed, so to speak, all the way through to the retail outlet, uh, the storefront, um, and often cases owning the properties in which they, in which they distribute. So, you know, who owns the licenses and is really a great determinant of who can do business and the structure of the market, wherever it may be. Now, every state um, has its own licensing process. They have a limited number of them. So, so companies um, that have uh, an inordinate number of licenses uh, will dominate a market. So there are con some concerns um, that some of the players are maybe holding on to too many licenses. And uh, some of these, these mergers are designed to acquire more licenses, especially in places like California, which is the largest um, market in the United States, you know, and and also it's there are there, sometimes it's hard to know um, exactly who owns the licenses. Some of the uh, some of the reporting on it um, is not clear. So yes, there are there are overlaps uh, to be seen, and you've seen it in some of the more recent deals. The, the deal I wrote about with the grassroots and Curaleaf. You know, in some of the bigger markets, there aren't, but in, the, in others, there are, like in the Midwest, uh, both sides own multiple uh, licenses for retail um, and processing. And, uh, you know, things like that, um, you could argue, really need to be looked at by antitrust regulators to get a sense of uh, how this market will be structured and whether there will be um, a relatively fair competition. And so when you talk about market overlaps, in this context, at least, you are really talking about uh, overlapping licenses or the proximity of two companies in certain areas of the United States uh, of companies that have uh, that have important or critical uh, licenses. So in, in this context, I suppose licenses really become the key to this kind of assessment, right? Yes, I mean, that's a fair assessment. Um, and the, the market is also just changing. Um, for example, MedMen, which uh, was a um, is a leading retailer of cannabis in Calif based in California, um, they've recently gotten um, permission to do direct home deliveries, which uh, uh, you know raises other questions um, about um, you know they can that will obviously have great advantages over these other companies that are just selling out of a storefront, and um, you know might give them a, a distinct advantage as far as competition. So, uh, yes, there's a lot to be worked out in this industry. And uh, you know, th that is why it's understood that uh, the DOJ is taking extra long time to, uh, to look at these deals more closely. And I joked in my intro about the industry not being legal until fairly recently. I wonder if that uh, might play any part in the antitrust reviews involving cannabis companies. I mean, are regulators concerned at any level about the legality of what's going on? Well, that's an excellent question. And the antitrust regulators, they're not really supposed to be concerned with issues of legality. That's not really in their uh, jurisdiction. And the fact that these companies are publicly traded and uh, and have very large market caps and are actually merging uh, kind of implies that they are operating within the law. But um, there obviously are concerns, and uh, especially in this industry where a lot of the people, the, the veterans in the industry can remember a 
day not so long ago where uh, they were operating um, outside the law. Now, the, the DOJ, obviously, besides its antitrust division, which is looking at this, uh, does obviously have a criminal division. Um, and uh, the second requests do include, from what we've heard, language that says that um, kind of warning that the information that is provided to the antitrust division could be shared with the with other departments in the Department of Justice, which of course makes um, make people nervous and uh, in some cases might actually make it harder for uh, for regulators to to understand the industry as people may be le- less forthcoming. So yes, I mean legality. Um, you know whether it's part of the uh, the actual second requests that doesn't appear to be the situation, but it certainly is plays on the minds of people um, within the industry and uh, is something that is obviously widely discussed. So on this particular deal that you've been writing about the Cure Relief Grassroots merger, when are we likely to see things uh, move forward there? Well, we have uh, the, the the deadline for the. Um, that particular deal is actually uh, the end of this week. So by over the weekend or next week, we'll find out whether they've gotten a second request on that particular deal. Now, as we pointed out, um, the buyer already has a uh, has another acquisition of select brands, uh, which is out on the West Coast, and they have received a second request. And um, the companies point out that these three, these two mergers are actually part of you know, the company's overall strategy in order to... Uh, to um, create the, the largest, uh, currently the largest um, single cannabis company in the, in the United States. So, you know whether they get clearance or at least don't get a second request for the um, for the second part of the deal, uh, uh, it will impact obviously whether they can move forward uh, with the select deal and, and combine the three companies and, and achieve their aim. Um, but uh, we are seeing some movement forward. I mean. Uh, elsewhere, MedMen and Pharmacan, which was another deal that had received a second request, and um, they went through the process and they disclosed that they had they'd answered the questions from the Department of Justice and they had comp- so-called complied with a second request. And after a 30-day waiting period, uh, they kind of announced that they considered that they have received clearance. So, um, you know, they're moving forward with their deal. Now, that doesn't mean that the Department of Justice could come back at a later date and challenge the deal, which it has the right to do. But that is, a, um, that is an indication of, of, of there is some progress moving forward. And, uh, you know, we'll see in the next uh, weeks and months will be quite telling on that front. And uh, setting aside the regulatory side of things, uh, how do you think that this uh, Cure Relief grassroots merger would or could change the cannabis industry, assuming it's allowed to proceed? Well, remember, it's one of uh, many deals, and it's uh, this particular deal will be the biggest of its kind uh, once the companies come together. But it's part of an overall sort of maturing of the industry. And now I say maturing, not in that it's getting old, but it's it's moving out of its youthful, rather uh, unregulated phase, where you're seeing um, this particular deal and others like MedMen Pharma can I mentioned and uh, various others, they are the setting the stage for what the industry is going to look like um, going forward. And, and, and this process uh, is forcing the industry to mature. It's forcing best practices. Uh, they um, will also be more careful about how they conduct business. And um, this is an expensive process. So uh, 
only you know, well-funded companies can really go through it. So it will, you could say, weed out some of the, um, the, uh, the less experienced, the less well-funded, and the, uh, the more um, speculative deals, so to speak. But it has, uh, and it has put a check on the industry to some degree. I mean, stock prices in among cannabis companies have fallen quite sharply over the last few months, and um, concern over uh, the, the mergers and acquisition front and the DOJ's um, apparent extra interest in these deals, you know, has put concern among investors that uh, things won't move forward as fast as they had hoped they would. And maybe that is the uh, one of the intentions of the regulators to sort of uh, put a reality check on an industry that uh, was moving forward at, a, at great speed. Jason, that weeding out pun uh, leaves me with very little to add. This is obviously a fascinating area. It's obviously attracting a lot of regulatory activity at the moment, so we'll no doubt uh, be returning to it very soon. But for now, thank you very much. Great talking to you. Thank you. Jason Booth is a senior correspondent with MLEX, and he was talking to me from our offices in New York City. A link to Jason's analysis of the cannabis industry's regulatory challenges can be found at the MLEX website. On the sunny side of the paywall, just go to mlexmarketinsight.com, that's mlexmarketinsight.com, or one word, and click on the Insight Center and check out the editor's picks. You'll also find a wide selection of our stories and podcasts, and you'll be able to download our most recent special report showcasing our reporting on Australia's Digital Markets Inquiry. It's free, it's colourful, and hopefully a fun read as well, so check it out. That's all from this MLEX podcast. From me, James Panicki, thank you very much for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.